Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, many of us grew up in a time we didn't lock our doors. We didn't feel the need to. We didn't have a need to. But the world is a much different place today than it was when we were much younger. Surely you've seen your neighbors have these video doorbells and things of that nature. You can have the same peace of mind, but also the convenience that you grew up with, with our friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y. Very, 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 very simple product here. Very easy to install and you set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. No drilling required, no power tools, anything like that. You get the keyless entry. You don't have to fumble around with the keys when you got your hands full. You never have to worry about your kids losing their keys. Or perhaps you've got a rental property and you worry about people passing that key around. You also don't have the anxiety of having this battery that goes down on you. It's Guys, you got four months of power here. And you get a low battery notification before it runs out so you can charge it back up. It's pretty simple. There's no monthly fee, unlike a lot of other brands that charge you that fee. You can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. Uh, Eufy is also on standby for you 24-7, and you can get a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by our professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or even live chat, which is awfully, awfully convenient. And here's the thing. There's just so much out there in the world these days wouldn't it be nice to know maybe who visited your door when you're out or perhaps have the security of knowing that you've got video surveillance anytime somebody comes to your door? We absolutely can. Make sure that you look for Eufy Video Lock. That's visit E-U-F-Y official.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Good morning and welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope you're able to celebrate Maroon Friday today and how wonderful it is for us to live in a country that we can celebrate Maroon Friday as we choose. I am uh, elected to wear a Maroon Stark Villain shirt today. You can order yours at StarkVillains.com and bring some real, you know, some real gusto to Maroon Friday. Let them know where you stand. Fun, fun times for sure. Uh, also, it's been it's been a very interesting week already. I feel like I'm modulating really high here. I'm gonna turn this down just a little bit. So, if it, so there you go. There, that's a little bit better. Okay. So sorry about that. I mean to, to burst your ears there, but uh, it's been a fun week for me already. 
they get some uh, advanced cases of uh, Stark villains, and then the full shipment comes in today. They'll be offloading while they're offloading books in Starkville. I will be in Tupelo at uh, Celebration Village with our good friends at Campus Bookmark. Be there from 12 to 3 today. Matter of fact, as soon as I finish this show, I'm headed that way. Looking forward to being there and uh, being with all you. And there are many of you that pre-ordered the book. Those are going to be processed this weekend and be put in the mail on Monday. Matter of fact, I'm not going to go to College Station, Texas. I'm going to stay home so we can get that done. Uh, and it's one of those things too with the uh, with the book business. There's all the, there's always people involved that uh, that have a say in slowing things down. And uh, when we first begin talking about you know fall production on this thing, they promised us they would be able to hit an October first printing deadline and then here we are now October 25th and so it is what it is so I apologize even though there's not anything that I could have done about it I can assure you I have been just as anxious if not more so than you guys have to get this book out there but there is a there's a very unique feeling holding that book in my hands and it's one of those things that uh, you put so much time and effort and you put your heart and soul into stuff, and and uh, I've been so unbelievably eager for you guys to read this one. You know, with Flim Flam, I was I was excited. I didn't know what to expect, but there was always there was also this whole um, there was a negative aspect of it. You know, because I understood there was going to be a lot of backlash about the book. There were going to be a lot of Mississippi State people that were excited and elated about the contents of that book, and some old Miss people that were not going to be, shall we say, to put it mildly. But this book is just kind of a good news book. You know, it is not an, an anti-Mississippi uh, Ole Miss book. It is a pro-Mississippi State book. It is uh, some of the best stories in the rivalry from the players and coaches that live that. Uh, and so I tweeted this out yesterday, and I, I just want to share a couple things with you just because uh, I think that it's important. And sometimes I forget what all is in the book. So yesterday after I got the book in hand, and uh, I had had a couple that I had to hand deliver. You know, there's a few people out there that have been very, very helpful to me. And and uh, there was a couple people. One person in particular said, "Hey, I want. I really want the first signed copy." And uh, ordinarily, I would keep that for friends and family or whatever. But uh, I wanted. I, I just felt like that I needed to do that. And so, but here, uh, here, uh, let me give you a rundown. Okay. So chapter one is called Contentious from the Beginning, and that, that kind of sets up the framework of the Mississippi State Ole Miss rivalry that kind of even predates uh, football in the Magnolia State between the two schools. And so it just kind of brings you up to speed, you know, kind of the, the history of the rivalry from the infancy of the university and uh, gives you some great stories from uh, 1905 and 1926. And, and you know, there's some there's just some great asides in that chapter that kind of lay the groundwork for the uh, the toxic level that this rivalry has had at sometimes, and it's one of the things that I kind of mentioned, you know, in in the uh, in the early stages of the book is there are a lot of people that move to the state and they don't have an appreciation, they don't fully understand how bitter this feud is between state and Ole Miss, and then they want to re-educate us and tell us, oh well, you know, it's it's more toxic than ever. It has always been toxic. It has never been a friendly rivalry, no, no matter what people will, will share with you. And that's one of the things I think it is a, is a prevalent theme throughout the book is that there have been some times when maybe things haven't been quite so bitter. But I've interviewed guys like Mario Austin, and he goes, you know, I didn't know what State No Miss was about until I went and played a game in Tatsmith Coliseum and heard how those fans acted. And, and that's not to say that Ole Miss fans act any worse than, than ours do on game day. But the bottom line is, is that um, – 
you know, we want to beat them and they want to beat us. And no matter what everybody else says, what everybody else does, that's the game that matters most. Chapter 2, the Mississippi Delta Maroon Barons, that, that is about two Mississippi State students that uh, took an airplane from Leland, Mississippi over to Oxford and did a little redecorating. And uh, that, that is one of my favorite chapters in the book. Had a chance to interview Frank Carolla. And Frank is blurbed on the back of the book. On the back of the book, there's a quote from Bob Tyler, a quote from Ron Polk, a quote from Jackie Sherrill, and then Frank Carolla. And at the bottom of the, the blurb, it says, you know, I just didn't like Ole Miss. I don't know how else I can expound on that. I just didn't like him. And uh, so Frank is a very interesting character. And I think you're going to enjoy that story. Chapter 3 is the Mississippi State side of the famed bully kidnapping when bully was painted red and blue. Uh, we've heard the Ole Miss side of things, and uh, I've got an Ole Miss side of things in this one, too. I interviewed one of the gentlemen that was responsible on the Ole Miss side post-kidnapping. He never took credit for the kidnapping, but uh, he did share some things that happened when he woke up in his dormitory, and uh, there was bullying in the room. And so you've got the Mississippi State version with former Mississippi State student body president Ted Kendall, and then you've got the Ole Miss side. And so... A lot of things that you'll learn about that and also, too, some things about the rivalry and kind of how we used to handle the, uh, the presentation of the trophy. Uh, chapter 4, The Nightmare is Over, is about our win in 1964 in Oxford that ended Mississippi State's uh, winless streak against Ole Miss. A lot of young people don't fully appreciate this. We won the Egg Bowl in 1946 and then didn't win it again until 1964. We went 0-16-3 over 19 years there, 0-16-3. We finally won again in 1964, and we partied so hard they had to close campus for a couple days. Then Robert Bell talks about uh, he and Frank Dowsing's time here at Mississippi State and about their recruitment and why it was an important decision for them and why it was the right decision to make to come to Mississippi State. Chapter 6 is uh, the 1970 Mississippi State baseball team and Brantley Jones. Brantley Jones was one of the best pitchers in the country. Talks a lot about that season. It's kind of a forgotten team. They won the SEC and then got beat in the regionals, and uh, we didn't get to bring all of our players. And Brantley kind of discusses that, kind of what, including Brantley Jones, who was our ace. Mike Profitt ended up, you know, being a great pitcher for Mississippi State and had to kind of be the guy down the stretch there. But it, that 1970 team was kind of a forgotten team because we didn't make it to Omaha. And in 1971, we made it to Omaha for the first time. And so that 1970 team is kind of overlooked. So Brantley Jones talks a little bit about that and about pitching against Archie Manning in Oxford with an SEC West Division title on the line. Uh, interviewed Coach Bob Tyler and spoke with him at length about bringing Mississippi State football into sort of a new era. You know, after uh, some well-meaning Mississippi State fans led the coup to get Alan McKean fired, we went through, uh, you know, some futility. And things didn't really change until Bob Tyler came back, came to Mississippi State. And so Coach Tyler talks about all that. He talks about, you know, he was basically considered the coach in waiting before that was a thing at Ole Miss with Johnny Vaught. He was the handpicked successor to succeed Johnny Vaught. And then there was some politics that went on up there that, that you know, the Kennard brothers kind of ran the show, and Coach Tyler ended up the odd man out. And so we, we talked a little bit about that. Then he talked a lot about Rocky Falker. Then we get into Chapter 8, where I interviewed Rocky Falker and Howard Lewis about you know their experiences in the 1974 Egg Bowl and, 
And uh, interestingly enough, Rocky Felker was on a recruiting visit to Ole Miss in 1970 when Robert Bell and Frank Dowsing won the Egg Bowl in Oxford. And so Rocky talked at length about that. Even though he was you know, expected to go to Mississippi State, there he was at Ole Miss on a recruiting visit watching the Bulldogs win the Egg Bowl. Chapter 9 is an interesting one. They're all interesting in my estimation, but uh, this is one where a couple of Mississippi State students stole the golden egg. They stole the golden egg uh, after the egg bowl had been lost. We'd won it two years in a row, and due to the Larry Gillard situation with NCAA, we were going to have to forfeit a couple of egg bowls, not vacate them. We had to forfeit them, and there was a lot of discussion that Ole Miss was going to deface the golden egg when they got it back, and so this is the kind of the the true story about some things perhaps you didn't know and the wild ride that the golden egg took when it got into the hands of a couple of Mississippi State members of uh, the student government. Love that story. Chapter 10, John Bond. Spent a lot of time talking to John, and I, I, I love JB. I absolutely do. He was one of my heroes when I was a kid. And I mentioned to him that he played in four egg bowls, but the only ones anybody ever talks about is the ones that he lost. And so I gave him a chance to talk about all four Egg Bowls, including the two that he won. And he takes us through that final drive as Mississippi State drove down to, to have the game-winning kick that was ultimately blown back. He talked about the Dick Pace game, all that stuff. And so it was so great to talk to him about that and uh, some funny asides about Coach Emory Ballard and all those things. Uh, then uh, Greg Carter spoke with Greg Carter about that four-overtime game against Ole Miss and about the 91 SEC Championship. Uh, the trip to the NCAA tournament, you know, so and Greg was so gracious with his time. He would have talked all day. It's as simple as that. He would have talked all day, talked about Tyson Carter and what it means for Tyson uh, to play at Mississippi State. Some great asides, too, from Greg about Tim Jumper, Ole Miss great player at the time, Tim Jumper. Some things that happened before and during that four-overtime game at Humphrey Coliseum. Chapter 12 was Jackie Sherrill. Spent some time talking with Coach Cheryl about not not just about the '98 '99 Egg Bowls, but I think that's that's a big part of things that everybody wants to hear his talk about those things. But he just kind of talked about you know how he was treated and how you know he treated Ole Miss and as he calls him Mississippi, why he calls him Mississippi. And uh, Coach was incredibly gracious with his time with me, and uh, I think he enjoyed talking about those kind of things. He talked about you know he played in Alabama Auburn rivalry. Coached Pitt and Penn State rivalry, Washington, Washington State, A&M, Texas. And so I had him kind of go through those rivalries and his experience in the rivalries and kind of rank them, you know, kind of about the, on the, based on their ferocity. There was an anomaly in the basketball schedule where Mississippi State beat Ole Miss three times in a season when Mario Austin kind of ran the show. So Mario talked about the rivalry and, and his recruitment and about Mark Godfrey in Alabama and while ultimately he picked Mississippi State, and uh, it's going to surprise you why Mississippi State proved to be the team. But he gets real in-depth about his recruitment. Chapter 14 is about the 2005 SEC Tournament Championship win over Ole Miss, where Brooks Dunn uh, pitched the game of his life. And uh, Brett Cleveland kind of closed that game out. We had the big home run from Jeff Butts and great throw from right field to third from Brad Corley and interviewed Coach Ron Polk and Brett Cleveland and Brooks Dunn for this chapter. 
Oddly enough, it is the last win that Ron Polk ever had in Hoover, was beating Ole Miss. And people forget, you know, it was billed as kind of a changing of the guard. People thought, you know what, Ole Miss is passing Mississippi State in baseball. And this was one of those wins that kind of restored the natural order of college baseball in Mississippi. I think you're going to enjoy that. And I felt that people like Brooks Dunn are kind of a footnote in Mississippi State Diamond Dog baseball history. And so I kind of wanted to honor his accomplishment because I don't want his win and his pitching performance on that day and what ultimately was a championship day for Mississippi State to be lost to history. I want this new generation of Bulldogs to fully appreciate that. Chapter 15, I spoke to Derek Pegues. He spoke at length about his own recruitment. And contrary to some popular rumors, he was never privately committed to Ole Miss, but he was privately committed to another SEC team. And something big happened with the coaching staff of that program that ultimately led him to reopen his recruitment. So he spoke at length about his recruitment, his feelings about Ole Miss, his feelings about Parade Jerry and Jamarca Samford and those guys, and then about why Mississippi State ultimately was the right pick for him. And then he got into the 2007 season and about the big punt return and uh, the things that kind of happened on that day, some things that were said, some things that took place that set up that punt return and what that meant to him and what it means to him to be remembered as a Mississippi State great all these years later. You couldn't write a book about Mississippi State without including Anthony Dixon. Chapter 16 is from Dixon with Love. It's uh, Anthony Dixon's recruitment. People forget this. We were getting absolutely skull drug by Ed Orgeron when it comes to in-state recruiting that year. And Ole Miss got Cordera Easton and Derek Davis from Meridian, and, and a lot of people say, well, you know, Anthony Dixon's going to prove to be a fullback. Anthony Dixon can't do this, can't do that. And despite the fact that we had three losing seasons in four years with Anthony Dixon's our running back, he is one of the most beloved Bulldogs of all time. Still holds the single-season rushing record. So I had Anthony talk about his experiences and his feelings about Ole Miss and about winning the Egg Bowl in 2009 and leaving Mississippi State a winner with the golden egg hoisted overhead and about what it meant to play in Dan Mullen's offense. Because so many people said that, that Anthony Dixon would kind of be washed away in a spread offense. And he ended up having the best season of his career. But he spoke at length about that. And uh, you guys know Booby. And you know you know he is such a gregarious personality. It was so great to talk to him about this kind of stuff. Uh, and for him to just really you know get real honest about his feelings about all of you. Chapter 17, Mary Flipmus from Oklahoma. The Robert Elliott saga now has uh, a written record. Robert talks at length about why he picked Ole Miss to begin with and why he flipped Mississippi State in the end. And he tells the true story of what happened on that fame day when Hugh Freeze and Dan Werner and Frank Wilson were all in Oklahoma camping out at his house to kind of prevent Mississippi State of having their in-home visit. So he talks about all of that, what goes along with it, where he went, what he did, what his feelings were, and if and when he ever talked to the Ole Miss coaches again. Chapter 18 is about Nico Whitley. People forget 2013, Nico Whitley saved Mississippi State's season and ultimately probably Dan Mullen's job, at least some major changes on the Mississippi State staff. 2013, Nico Whitley stripped a football from Alex Collins as Arkansas is looking to put the game away in Little Rock. We get a strip, we win the game in overtime there. And then the most memorable strip probably of the modern era is when Nico knocked the ball loose from Bo Wallace and the Egg Bowl, the Jamerson Love recovered the back line of the end zone in overtime to end the game to achieve bowl eligibility for Mississippi State. 
And Nico talks about how he played injured the entire year and how his ultimate goal was to simply get Mississippi State back into a bowl, a bowl game and he didn't even play in the bowl game. That's a, it's a very fascinating chapter. And Nico is not a guy that did a lot of media stuff when he was here at Mississippi State. But he spoke at length about his feelings about Mississippi State and about Dan Mullen and about how all that stuff kind of transpired. And it just kind of seemed to be a deal where uh, where there was something at play there that perhaps is a little bit bigger than, than one player or one coach. One of the baseball chapters, and uh, I guess the final baseball, second, well, next last baseball chapter in the book was uh, the baseball guys were smiling. Interviewed Wes Ray about that great run to Omaha and about setting the attendance record and about all the things that kind of happened behind the scenes. You know, when, when Mississippi State was making the run, uh, you win the SEC tournament, I guess, in 2012, and you go to Omaha in 2013, you play for a national championship. And there's some perspective there from one of Mississippi State's most beloved dogs uh, that I don't know that, that's ever been really shared publicly. So Wes talked about Adam Frazier, and he talked about John Cole, and he talked about recruiting, and he talked about all the things and the change in baseball. About Ross Mitchell. I think you're really going to enjoy that one. One of my favorite chapters. Chapter 20, Morgan William talks about the fact that uh, her senior class was the first women's basketball senior class in Mississippi State history to sweep Ole Miss. They never lost a game to Ole Miss. And last year, Tierra McCowan's senior class became the second to do it because we haven't lost to them five seasons. She also goes uh, behind the scenes about the UConn game and about their feelings about getting absolutely drilled and then coming back the next year and having a moment of redemption and about Gabby Williams and about what happened on the Katie Lou Samuelson flop play and the technical foul and what the discussions were like in the huddle and what Vic told them. And uh, those are some things I don't know that have ever been made public. And so Morgan talked at length about those things and about what it means, the relationship between Mississippi State fans and the Mississippi State women's basketball team. Chapter 21 is about uh, a run to Omaha back in 2018 and about, about Luke Alexander. Uh, Luke shares about walking off Ole Miss twice that year and walking off Washington and Omaha, and this kind of sets up that whole crazy season. You Kind of behind the scenes, kind of gives what, what was going on in the locker room, what were the players thinking. You know, the stadium was being built. We were having to play most of our games on the road. What did that all mean? Final chapter in the book, Nick Fitzgerald drills Ole Miss, the, uh, the highest margin of victory for a quarterback combined, wins two road Egg Bowls. You could make the argument Nick Fitzgerald, the best Egg Bowl road quarterback in Mississippi State history. But Nick spoke at length about his recovery, about the play that changed his life, and all the things that went along with that, and how difficult that return was back to Mississippi State and back to good health, and what, what it meant to him to get back and to win the Egg Bowl. There's some... Uh, there, there's some things about all that that I don't think most people know. I interviewed Nick and I interviewed his mom and his girlfriend Susie, and and there's just some things behind the scenes that I don't think that a lot of people fully appreciate with Nick. And I think when you read this book and you read the chapter about Nick Fitzgerald, you're going to see Nick in a much different light. I think a lot of people see him as the confident, kind of freewheeling, you know, quarterback, but he paid a tremendous price to be the quarterback at Mississippi State. And I look forward to your comments about that chapter. And then, of course, you know, we'll get into a few other things before we get out of there.
but uh, it's been a great one. I have really, really looked forward to this day. Uh, look forward to you guys reading the book. You can, if, if you can, you're going to be able to find it just about everywhere in Mississippi bookstores soon. But if uh, you're out of state or you, you know maybe your online shopping is the way for you, please order at StarkVillainsTheBook.com. We'll be eating a celebratory meal at Bulldog Burger Company uh, here in the days that, that follow. Looking forward to being back there. We'll do some book signings there. And, and uh, they've been great with me. And I'll tell you, I love going there. Whenever we get ready to go out as a family and say, hey, kids, where do you guys want to go? Hey, Dad, let's all meet at Bulldog Burger Company. We can visit. We can have the spring rolls. We'll even get some fried pickles. And uh, I let the kids get whatever they want because that's one of the best things about going to a place like Bulldog Burger Company is there are so many great things that you and your children are going to want to eat. And you know what? Maybe you just need a date night. Maybe it's not a family night. You can go and have an adult beverage. You can get away. It's a great atmosphere. It's a chance for you to kind of get away and just kind of enjoy a great restaurant-quality hamburger. Maybe a restaurant-quality hamburger is not what you're looking for, but you can have the wings. You can have the Cal State salad. You can have a chicken, the, the sweet heat chicken sandwich. There's so many options to, to choose from there. This is a place com- committed to you and committed to your community. Bulldog Burger Company now with two locations to serve you in Starkville and now Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville and Tupelo where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So let's get into this week's schedule. It is a pretty limited schedule, but you've got everybody in the league playing in conference this weekend. Just a handful of games, just five games. Uh, and they're spread out pretty well over the day. And so, like, as soon as the, the Mississippi State game ends, you're going to be able to get into Auburn, LSU, and then there's South Carolina, Tennessee, and then uh, Arkansas, Alabama, and then Missouri, Kentucky. So you shouldn't have to miss a whole lot. You should be able to watch the state game and then kind of flip back and forth the rest of the day. It'll, it should be a great day uh, to watch football because these, there are some games that are very, very entertaining. But let's go ahead and get into Mississippi State, Texas A&M. And then we'll spend the balance of the show talking about the rest of the games and kind of what to look for moving forward. I have spent a lot of time this week, probably more time this week than any other time this season, kind of looking at the opponent more so than Mississippi State. Uh, Texas A&M and Mississippi State are so incredibly similar. And the difference, one of the biggest differences is Mississippi State has a freewheeling, swashbuckling quarterback who is a freshman A&M has a quarterback of a similar variety that makes a lot of freshman mistakes for a veteran guy. They did not have a good game against Ole Miss last week. Save a special teams play and a defensive score, Ole Miss wins the game. Ole Miss should have won the game. And a lot of people say, well, you know, Steve, Ole Miss is playing pretty hard. And that, that they are. They're also very, very one-dimensional. Very, very, very one-dimensional. And Ole Miss hit some big plays against that A&M defense. That has kind of been a consistent theme. A&M has been able to give up the big play. State is going to need some big plays in order to win this ball game. Colin Hill has been bottled up in recent weeks. The A&M run game, pretty good for a while. The next thing you know, they give up a big one. I don't know if it's just a matter of getting out of position, but I think Colin Hill is one of those players that can exploit this team. And Mississippi State needs to get him going. He, he remains Mississippi State's probably most explosive offensive player. You need to find a way to get the ball in his hands. Garrett Schrader has been the leading rusher and thrower in recent weeks. Ole Miss gave A&M some trouble with the quarterback run. Ole Miss gave A&M some trouble with their zone read game. I think Mississippi State will be able to make some of those same plays. You don't get better in a week. 
You want to improve a little bit, but at this point in the season, you kind of are who you are. Mississippi State has kind of had A&M's number. He's won three in a row and four of the last five. No matter what somebody says, what anybody does, when, when you are the guy on the downside of history, the psyche, the collective psyche of your team is a little more fragile because you begin to think, okay, here we go again. And if you watched any of the interviews with Texas A&M players this week, there were a couple people that continued to ask them, why is this such a bad matchup for you guys? You guys have had some great seasons going, and then Mississippi State comes in and ruins the season. And some of the A&M players almost looked a little bit surprised at the question. I I take that to be, number one, that uh, they don't respect Mississippi State, despite the fact that State has won. Last year, Mississippi State completely outplayed A&M. The last time we were at College Station, we completely outplayed A&M. In 2016, they came in here as number four in the FBS playoff poll, and Mississippi State outplayed them then. Had it not been for a Christian Kirk punt return just before the half where a block in the back was not called, that game is not close. And that was the game when Mississippi State was really on the fence. There were a lot of people about Mississippi State thinking, you know what, this, why are we even coming to the game? And Nick Fitzgerald takes the first offensive snap for touchdown, and it seemed like, okay, here we go. That's why Mississippi State has got to come out strong, and you got to punch A&M in the mouth early. you got to knock them right in the mouth early. That has been the real challenge for Mississippi State. As, as we've gotten into some second halves on the road, we've kind of figured some things out. We cannot afford to go out there again and get behind early. We remember the nightmare on the Plains when it's 21 nothing, less than six minutes into the first quarter of that ball game at Auburn. That game was already over. We had the situation in Tennessee where they take the first drive down and we get a great play from Cameron Dancer to pick that ball off, but offensively we simply couldn't get anything going. Joe has got to dig into the bag of tricks. He's got to find a way to get points on the board early in this ball game. I firmly believe this is going to boil down to a one-play game. There will be the one decisive play. There will be one play that you look back in hindsight saying, you know what, that's a play that decided everything. And, you know, we can go through and we can work through these you know, coachism speak and all that kind of stuff. And we can say, well, you know, we, we all had our opportunities. But in every game between similarly situated opponents, there is the one defining play. Based on what we know about Garrett Schrader and what we know about Kellen Mond, I'm going to pick Garrett Schrader. I think when the game is on the line, the kid is going to answer the bell. He has an incredible amount of poise. I think this was going to be a game similar to Tennessee, except I think State's going to be a little bit better offensively. I think Mississippi State has kind of figured some things out defensively. A&M is a team that doesn't run it exceptionally well. They don't throw it well at all. Not down the field, they don't. They'll throw the underneath stuff. They'll try to get the tight ends involved. They try to get the ball out to the backs in the backfield. They have some protection issues. Mississippi State has some protection issues. I think Mississippi State's running game – is the real challenge this week. There are a couple things that I will share with you. I do not expect Stuart Reese and Greg Island to play this weekend. So that entire right side of the line is going to be uh, in upheaval a little bit. Tommy Champion has played a lot at right guard and right tackle. And so we expect him uh, to start this Saturday. But everybody, because most offensive coordinators are right-handed, you run a lot off right tackle. 
And so that will be interesting to see. Will there be some protection issues? Will there be some chemistry issues? Probably so. That's why I don't expect this to be an offensive masterpiece. I also feel like this Mississippi State team is probably a little bit tired of getting pushed around a little bit. I think you saw that some last week against LSU. I think if, if State comes out with that same fire and energy, they're going to win the ball game. There's going to be, again, that one decisive play, and there's going to be that one big mistake. Mississippi State has to make sure they're not the team that makes the big mistake. Garrett Schrader has done some explosive things. He's also had a couple of you know, kind of inexplicable turnovers. Life and times with a freshman quarterback in a Southeastern Conference. I can't begin to imagine how frustrated it is to watch and cover Kellen Mond every week because you just never know what you're going to get. Didn't have an especially good game last week, had a couple of really bad interceptions. and uh, But late in the ball game, when the game was on the line, Mond answered the bell. They led the big drive. They win. I don't know that you can consistently expect Kellen Mond to make that one big play week after week. So I'm going to pick Mississippi State. And many people say, oh, Steve, you're being a homer. Maybe, maybe so. Maybe I am. But I'm also not going to be the self-loathing Mississippi State fan that doesn't look at things and say, well, you know, we, we can't win because we're Mississippi State. We can't win because we haven't played well on the road. I think all those things are true in many respects. But people forget last year we went on the road and won a couple ball games last year. This year it's a matter of leadership. It's a matter of finding out how to win on the road. I think this A&M, A&M team, if we come out, if, if State wins the first quarter, I think we're going to win the game. And I think State's going to come out and play well. I don't think it's going to be a masterpiece. I think it's going to be a thing of beauty. But I think State's going to win it. I'm going to call it 2017 Mississippi State, with State getting a big defensive stand late to run the clock out. I think Colin Hill will be more involved in the passing game. I think that we will be a lot more um, – you know, willing to kind of get him out in space. I just don't think there's a lot of defensive backs in this conference or really in the country at this level of football that want to match up with, with Colin Hill out in the flat. I just I think you get him out there, let him get his pad square, let him make some plays. You've got to use the tight ends a lot more. I think Garrett Schrader, I think we're going to see him have a big game. I think there's some passing plays to be made, and, and we forget Garrett had his best passing game of the season last week against LSU and was able to make some plays early in the ball game. It wasn't just a bunch of mop-up time against the bandit defense out there. He's out there throwing the football against the ones, against the Grant Delpits and the Derek Stingleys, out there making big things happen. And so I think that the kid is beginning to gain some confidence, and I think now it's time for him to take the next step. I think Garrett Schrader, much like in the Kentucky game, will make the play to win the game. And I think this could be a huge turning point in the season. Now, you lose this ball game, and all of a sudden there is no longer any margin for error because we're not going to beat Alabama. Then all of a sudden you've got to win the other three. You win this one, you get a lot more breathing room. You get a little more margin for error. I don't like the game, but I think this is a better matchup for Mississippi State than people realize. History is on Mississippi State's side, and I think quarterback play is on Mississippi State's side. I think running back play is on Mississippi State side. I think offensive line play is essentially a push. A&M is a team that hasn't really run it real well. Spiller had a big ball game last week, his first really big game of the season. So maybe they're beginning to find some things there. 
but I think they're going to simplify some things. They're going to put linebackers in space, and they're going to try to run some of that option game with Mond. It's because of the fact I don't think that you can count on him to consistently make plays down the field. The A&M receivers have not shown a propensity to kind of get deep and to really test that deeper third. And so as a result, I expect this to be a lower-scoring game. I think you could see a non-offensive touchdown by somebody, whether it be a punt return or whether it be a block kick or a defensive score. I think there will be that defining moment in the ball game. This is an A&M team that's still relatively young, too. Their team is prone to make some mistakes. This isn't an A&M team that we saw a couple years ago. A lot of people think, oh, my goodness, A&M, and they think they're good because they think they're supposed, they should be good. And the reality of it is is they're not good. They're just like Mississippi State. They're just a game ahead of us in the, in the standings because they got a good road win. There's just not a lot of consistency with younger teams. I think Mississippi State's trying to find a sense of itself defensively and find some identity on offense. It's going to boil down offensive line play and the ability to avoid mistakes. I want to thank our good friends at Campus Bookmart. Absolutely love Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely talented Susie. I will be with some of them a little bit later today at Celebration Village at the Tupelo Furniture Mart, uh, signing copies of uh, Stark Villains, eager to get over there and see some smiling faces. And you can order Stark Villains from them by visiting them at campusbookmart.net. And you can get some maroon and white clothing uh, while you're there. There's so many great options to choose from. And we'll save you a little cash by being a loyal Boneyard listener. Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. And again, Mom, let me go ahead and speak to you on behalf of everybody in your family. Everybody from Dad to the kids, everybody wants some new Mississippi State clothing. They want it for their birthday. They want it for Christmas. They want it for Valentine's Day. Your husband wants it for the anniversary, for Valentine's Day. There's never a holiday that it is inappropriate to give maroon and white clothing. You can find a great selection there at campusbookmark.net. So let's look around the conference here. Just four other games in the conference, but some good ones. I mean, there's some, there's some even matches. If you're a fan of college football, outside of the Alabama-Arkansas game, Every one of these games is essentially a toss-up game. Auburn on the road at LSU. That's a CBS game, a top-ten matchup there. Auburn has figured some things out a little bit offensively. Running game is kind of getting going, but Booby Whitlow is still out. I think that is the issue this week. I think they're going to struggle to get the running game going against an LSU defense. It's maybe not elite, but it's still really good. You know, State was able to make some plays last week against LSU. I don't think that Auburn is going to have any success with a freshman quarterback throwing down the field against LSU. They can work the edges a little bit, try to get the ball in space. I just don't think you're going to be able to make a living. Much like Mississippi State last week, you know, you, you move some between the 20s, you're able to make some plays on the ground with a running quarterback. That is just not what Knicks can do. I, I think LSU struggled to account for Garrett Schrader Bo Nix, they say, well, you know, he, he's a good runner. He's nowhere near the runner Garrett Schrader is. I think he is more of a pocket passer. And, again, I expect Nix to be a star in this league. I just don't think you can take a freshman quarterback on the road against a team as good as LSU and win that game. If Auburn was playing A&M, I'd feel differently. If Auburn was playing at Ole Miss, I'd feel differently. Auburn played at Arkansas, yeah, absolutely feel differently. Auburn at LSU, man. Uh, this this Auburn team is a really good team. LSU is an elite team. I think Auburn 
I think Auburn's going to struggle to score. But I can't wait to see the game. Uh, opposite that game on the SEC network, and, the, and usually what they do is they put, you know, kind of the dog game. You know what I'm saying? Like the, they don't pair up a great game with the CBS game because they want to keep eyeballs on the CBS game. So you've got an unranked matchup, South Carolina at Tennessee. I really struggled picking this ball game. Uh, Tennessee has played better in the last two weeks, and probably even though I don't think Tennessee would beat Alabama, you know, Tua got knocked out of the ball game, and then uh, the game kind of tightened up a little bit, and Tennessee didn't make the plays down the stretch, and Garantano with the big fumble there that led to that hundred-yard scoop and score. But South Carolina is a team that uh, has been a little bit up and down, but more up than down lately. I picked South Carolina to go in there and win a close one against Tennessee. I think there will be a bit of an Alabama hangover for Tennessee. I think they also feel like their season is on the brink, so I, I won't be the least bit surprised to see them come out there and just do some things that are incredibly uh, adventurous, shall we say. But I think South Carolina finds a way to win this thing. And, and listen, a few weeks ago I was doubting South Carolina would even have a winning season, and they had a chance last week to, to pull ahead in the East. They'll bounce back, but this will be a great ball game. Be a good one to flip back and forth between. LSU and Auburn is the main show. But during commercial breaks, I think you'll enjoy the South Carolina-Tennessee game. we got Arkansas and Alabama under the lights in Tuscaloosa. Tua will not play, and Alabama won't need him to play. They'll just come out and run the football. They'll spread the ball around, and Alabama defensively is so much better than what Arkansas – Arkansas, again, I, I think Arkansas is ready for their – for their swoon, you know, it's that, that late season swoon. Because yeah, every year it seems like, and, I, and I, I guess it's one of those things for people in the media. Maybe they want Arkansas to be good, but Arkansas hadn't been good in a long time. Um, but they're two and five with a really rough stretch ahead of them. I, I don't know that there is a game on the schedule right now that you look at and say Arkansas will definitely win that game. Arkansas is at Tuscaloosa, then they host Mississippi State, and then they'll host Western Kentucky. Uh, Western Kentucky is 5-2, five 5-2 and two. Five and two in first in the Conference USA. Uh, they will come out ready to go. <laughs> they're going to come out. They're going to see that as that you know, season-defining type game, a chance to go play a vulnerable SEC team. The quarterback at Western Kentucky, for those of you that are forgotten, is former Arkansas quarterback Ty Story. 805 yards passing. They've uh, played two quarterbacks this, and Stephen Duncan's playing some too. But this will be one that Western Kentucky will be up. They will be up to play in that ballgame. And then Arkansas goes to LSU, and then they host Missouri to close out the season. So that they're 2-5 and five now, and it is conceivable that they could finish the season 2-10. and 10. Of course, there's a couple games in there that are considered somewhat of a toss-up. You know, Mississippi State's got to go over there and play well. There's it's no given that Mississippi State's going to go over there and win that ball game. But when you look at the, the schedule, Arkansas is really, 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 really looking at a long road back. Missouri is at Kentucky. That's another one. Man, this Kentucky team is so difficult to figure out. You know, and that that's kind of been, you know, last year was the year it kind of all came together for them. Uh, you know, with, with Benny Snell and, and, and those guys. I mean, they really did a good job. This year, they lose a quarterback, and, and uh, it's been a wild thing with 
you know, Lynn Bowden's had to play quarterback. And so they're, they're basically running some high school offensive concepts, just trying to find a way to get their playmakers to football. So they've become very one-dimensional. Missouri got embarrassed last week losing to Vanderbilt. I expect you'll see a much more motivated Missouri team come out. I like Missouri in the ball game, but I think this will be a pretty entertaining game just because I think there's a lot going on. There's a lot of moving pieces to this deal. So here are your winners. Mississippi State, yeah, I said it. LSU, South Carolina, Alabama, Mizzou. Those are your five games. We're going to go 5-0, and kids. That's what we're going to do. We're going to go 5-0. and But the only game that really matters is the Mississippi State game. It's the only one that matters. So maybe you know a little more than me. Let me encourage you, if you are one of those people that enjoys uh, picking winners, visit our friends at mybookie.ag and use promo code BONEYARD. That promo code will give you a uh, an offer that will where my bookie will match your initial deposit up to 100%. So you're already playing with some house money there. Where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. So I encourage you to use mybookie.ag. They're longtime sponsors of the Boneyard. We've had some listeners that have had a great experience there. Got live in-game betting, great odds, great payouts. It's as simple as this. Mybookie.ag promo code Boneyard. Make your deposit. Get some free money to play with, and then go out and get rich. Simple as that. My bookie, you win, you get paid. You play, you win, you get paid. That's the phrase that pays. So, uh, again, a great week so far for us, and uh, I look forward to seeing so many of you uh, out on the book tour and at ball games. You know, this once we get through that Arkansas road game, uh, we're finally going to get a lot of football here at Davis Wade Stadium. Going to be a big November. State has got to get at least a split in these next two games to set up, you know, the home stretch. If we can get a win this weekend, then I feel even better about winning next weekend. Then all of a sudden, you win those two games and you, you're five and four, taking on Alabama with two chances to get bowl eligible against Abilene Christian and Ole Miss. I think that is the, the best-case scenario. Uh, and you never know what's going to happen in the Egg Bowl. I mean, you just, you know, we, we can – there have been so many years. I mean, you, I mean, who'd have thought in 2017 that Ole Miss would have even had a chance to beat Mississippi State that year. We were far and away the better team. And the next thing you know, that there's a, a cheap shot, and uh, Nick Fitzgerald is carted off the field. So the reality of this rivalry is it's very unpredictable. So you can't bank on the Egg Bowl. So a win this weekend really gives Mississippi State some options and a little breathing room, a little margin for error. I think it would also give State a lot of confidence heading up to Arkansas. I think that Arkansas team, it's one of us playing anybody after Alabama is always good just because of the fact that, you know, Alabama beats people up. LSU is a team that ideally beats people up historically. But with them kind of going away from the power running game, it's a little different deal because they attack you in so many different ways. Alabama is still, in my mind, the most physical team in this conference, win or lose, because they will line up and pound you. And without two-way in the offense this weekend, I think they're going to rely a lot more on that running game, which I think will soften up that Arkansas front for Mississippi State next week. I think we kind of benefit from some of that. And so the reality of all of this, this we've not had the, the football season we had hoped. But there are still some things to cheer for. There is still the opportunity for State to get back to the bowl game and extend the streak to 10 seasons in a row. The next step in that could take place on Saturday. 
we get the early game, and hopefully we can win that one, and then we can all enjoy a great day of college football. I think this is a toss-up game, and again, as I said earlier in the show, I think we're about to see Garrett Schrader come of age. I think now that he has been the starter and he's had the opportunity to play against OSU, I think that his confidence is really beginning to grow. We met with him earlier this week. It is the same this week as it was before, except there's a little more confidence. There's a little more of an air of confidence with him. I expect him to come out and play well. I think Garrett Schrader's a guy that you're going to win a lot of football games with here at Mississippi State. He just has a special quality about him. And so we'll look forward to uh, to the ball game tomorrow. We'll be back on Monday, and we'll, we'll share our thoughts and hopefully be recapping a Mississippi State win. There are a lot of times, and you guys are like me, you know, sometimes your heart gets out ahead of, in front of your head. I, I have tried to talk myself out of it this week. In the beginning of the week, I said, you know what, I don't think State's going to win this game. And the more that I watched A&M and the more that I studied A&M, the more that I realized this truly is a pickup a pickup game. I know that the, the odds makers have given A&M uh, a 10-point spread. I, I, I just I don't get it. And I know those guys are a lot smarter than me, and perhaps they know some things that we don't know. Maybe there's something uh, about A&M, or maybe there's something about Mississippi State they know that we don't know. But I think that this is a, an A&M team that is very, very vulnerable even at home and if Mississippi State can go down there and punch them in the mouth early, I think we got a chance to go down there and steal that ball game. And I think that we're going to learn from that experience at Tennessee. And I think the fact we, – we all said it. If, if Garrett Schrader stayed, played against Kansas State, started, and if he started against Tennessee, we win the ball game. This is a very similar ball game. And I think we're going to have a chance to have Garrett Schrader for all four quarters and a chance to go win the game. Well, that's going to do it for today. Again, thanks so much for your support. And I uh, look forward to seeing you guys out there on the book tour. Start Villains uh, will soon be available everywhere. Absolutely cannot wait for you guys to read this. Send me your reviews, good, bad, or indifferent. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers... Hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.